This is the Southern Extension. Hello, my name is Chris M. Vines. Thank you for listening. These are credible sources, and I, I tend to believe them. It took me this many years to even talk about any of this, and then to some people I think it was like a game, it was like a mystery that they needed to solve, and that wasn't the point of any of this. Of course, I knew what he was doing. I, I knew he was, he was leaving, but I just didn't want to accept that. I loved growing up in Paulding County. I've said that a million times. Some people may think I have an in for Paulding County or something like that, but I don't. Oh, years, I interviewed my father, trying to understand what caused this sudden break. Episode 6, This Is Not A Game. Nineteen seventy-two. In May of nineteen seventy-two, a break-in occurs at the Democratic National Committee offices at the Watergate in Washington, D.C. In June of nineteen seventy-two, my mother becomes pregnant with me. Arrests are made the same month for the Watergate break-in. A journalist, Bob Woodward, at the Washington Post develops a source within the U.S. government that would later become known to the world as Deep Throat. By November, as President Nixon is re-elected to his second term, singer-songwriter Carly Simon releases a song about a self-obsessed lover that wears an apricot scarf. The song hit the Billboard charts in December and was a number one hit for three weeks in January of 1973. The song, you may be familiar with it, was called You Are So Vain. In March of 1973, I'm born, and it also becomes apparent that Nixon's cover-up of Watergate isn't going his way. Meanwhile, Deep Throat keeps talking to Bob Woodward in D.C. parking garages. By June of 1974, Woodward and Bernstein's book All the President's Men is published. Two months later, in August, Nixon resigns. I'm 17 months old and one day. For years, there's the mystery as to who Deep Throat was and who Your So Vain was written about. It would be 31 years before Deep Throat would be revealed in 2005. Over the next several decades, Carly Simon would say that Your So Vain was written about Not one man, but three men. There was speculation that the song was written about David Geffen, James Taylor, David Boy, and many other men. It would be 40 years before she would admit that just the third verse was written about the actor Warren Beatty. The other two verses are still a mystery. Simon kept her secrets much better than the Washington criminals. My collection of personal secrets 
began accumulating in the late 1970s. I kept many of them, most of them as a matter of fact, until August of 2020 when Dweller on the Boundary came out, followed by Terminal Wake in 2021 and Uncivil X in December of 2022. My next novel is at least a year or two away. It's only a beginning, always. The young must know it. The old must know it. It must always sustain us. Because the greatness comes not when things go always good for you, but the greatness comes and you're really tested when you take some knocks, some disappointments, when sadness comes. Because only if you've been in the deepest valley can you ever know how magnificent it is to be on the highest mountain. Always give your best. Never get discouraged. Never be petty. Always remember, others may hate you. But those who hate you don't win unless you hate them. And then you destroy yourself. I enjoyed talking about the books. I enjoyed people's interest. I enjoyed people asking me questions, wanting to know more, things like that. It was when people began to apply pressure to me to want to know who are the people that I'm writing about and wanting to know if so-and-so was this person, that it became a problem. I mean, that's just totally unfair. If I want to tell you something, you know, I have the right to tell you or not, and it should come on my terms if I want to tell somebody something. And some people got really pushy with me, and it's just, it was, there was so much pressure from some people in... And that really got to me. It was, I mean, it took me this many years to even talk about any of this. And then uh, people were, to some people, I think it was like a game. It was like a mystery that they needed to solve. And that wasn't the point of any of this. I wasn't out looking to harm or expose anybody or... Anything like that. I just wanted to tell the story. And I don't think people understand how difficult it was just to talk about any of this or write any of this. And then to have people apply so much pressure and repeatedly ask if so-and-so is this particular character. Really, it put me in a bad position. and. It didn't make me regret doing this, but it it gave me second thoughts about, it made me want to pull back into a shell because it, it doesn't matter who any of the characters are, frankly. You know, that's, that, that's for me personally. After the reaction to Dweller on the Boundary and the pressure it put on me, I decided that I could not publish certain stories in Terminal Wake and Uncivil X because of the questions that would result. I had planned to publish the story of two raindrops in Terminal Wake, 
because I believe it's a great story, and I had hinted at it by sharing on social media some postcards mailed to me as a boy from another boy in the 1980s. Note, for those that might be thinking it was from my French pen pal Patrice that I wrote about an uncivil ex, no, they were not from him. I think it's the best story I've ever written. It's a story about how two people can be so similar and close and end up in very different outcomes in life. The last thing I want to ever do is hurt that person or anyone for that matter. I have basically written out of my books that person that I was very close to as a boy because of the questions of identity that would arise. This person is a missing piece, and I feel like I failed to tell the full story or the story that I wanted to tell by not including them. But after what followed with Dweller on the Boundary, I decided I did not want to go through that pressure again from readers. That story would definitely lead to it, and now it's locked away for the rest of my life. I'm not going to go through the Dweller-type invasive questions again. I love questions, but there are limits. And when I say no, or I can't do that, I mean it. The whole affair gave me pause and sent me into reflection. It made me want to stop. And then I thought, how is that any different than when I was silent as a child? In Uncivil X, I wrote about the claustrophobia of Paulding County. That claustrophobia extends until today with social media. Maybe it's even worse now than it was then. Let me break this down. The number of people who know who the identity of Robin is, I can count on one hand. The number of people who know who Roe is, is less than that. The number of people who know who the other two boys in the woods are, is zero. Though, some people I know are friends with at least one of them on social media. This is a perfect example of how small and claustrophobic Paulding County was and social media has made the world today. The number of people who know who Oliver is is less than five. The number of people who know who David the Bishop, Tavin, and Peter is is zero. I've refused more times than I can count to tell anyone who they are. As far as the other characters that were classmates, one or two people might know who some of them were. I hardly ever scroll through my news feed because I never know who's going to pop up in the comments of another person's post. I've accidentally come across a comment from one of the boys from Blackout Log. I've had a relative of Robin send me a friend request in the last two years. I did not accept, if you're wondering. The world of social media is tiny. Thankfully, I don't live in that world. I just pop in for a few minutes every so often and then pop out. But it's not just who the people are behind the characters that have pressured me to reveal or discuss. But it goes further than this. People have wanted granular level details about Blackout Log, where certain places are located, intimate details about Robin, and how close I came to ending myself as a teenager. Some of it I attribute to natural curiosity and readers being invested in the tragedy of the story, which I fully understand, welcome, and appreciate. But when people start to ask me if a former classmate or friend of mine was gay, then they've crossed the line from being curious to being rude and nosy. 
As Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote in Letters and Social Aims, quote, Curiosity is lying in wait for every secret. I said to one person that ultimately my books are entertainment. That is true for readers, and I'm okay with them seeing my books as entertainment. But for me, it was real life. Don't you think I want to tell people who Robin is? I'd really love to say who those damn blue eyes that charmed me, coaxed me, protected me, and loved me belong to. I'd love to shout that from the top of Ellsbury Mountain or the tippy-top of the Bank of America building in Midtown Atlanta. But I can't. Imagine being in love with someone and never being able to share that with another person. That's how it was for me for 40-something years. Think about that. It's not so much about my promise that I made as a little boy anymore. It's about the adult realities. I don't want to ruin him or his life, nor do I want to ruin mine. I've said it over and over since the 1990s in my video confessionals and in my writing that I do not want people to think badly of him. I'll protect him until he's either dead or I'm dead, whichever comes first. I can assume Robin knows that I've written about us because I know for certain that some of his family know about my books. I hope that I did a good enough job disguising him by changing his age to a younger age and other details about his life. Yes, he was older than how I portrayed him in Dweller on the Boundary. Some readers will not understand how I can protect someone like Robin. They may think of him as an innocence-robbing monster, especially now that I've said that he was older than how I portrayed him. But it's unlikely that they've been in that situation and can understand. I don't own any rose-tinted glasses, so I do my best to be objective about our relationship. As I approach 50 years old and haven't tagged along with him, through my boyhood for 40 years, I can see the inappropriateness of what happened and that at times I was used. I recognize some of that in my novel, Uncivil X. Was it good for me? No. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. Where I was going, I was going there with or without him in my life. I got there sooner than I should have. The same goes for David the Bishop. I won't give him up and betray him. You know how many times I've said his name or Robin's real name in recording these podcasts? It's difficult because my brain knows who they are and my tongue wants to spit out David's name or Robin's real name. And there's the matter of Roe and the two other boys. I'm not protecting Roe or the two other boys from Blackout Log. I'm protecting myself. My inability to name any of them is a complete and necessary act of self-preservation. I've withheld crucial details about all three of them. I know their names. I know where they live right this minute. If you think this is a game, then here's a clue. Here's a detail that I've never written or said. Two of the three boys had a unique relationship. You figure that out. Put the pieces together if you must, but keep your theories to yourself. If I wanted justice, I would have crawled out of the woods that day covered in blood 
and not washed it off with a water hose and named all three of them that day. It's my fault for not naming them then and there. I was a coward, and I believed their threats as the spit ran down my face. It hurt me. It made me angry to have people come whispering to me in the fog of private conversations at night. Through instant messages, people wanted me to name the people behind my characters. This is not a mystery. This is not a game. This is my life. I'm a real person, and I have a responsibility to not only to myself, but to other people. I still don't call myself a victim or even a survivor because those words have been so abused and used by people who wouldn't know trauma if it bit them on the ass and swallowed their legs. But when people put all of this stress and pressure on me to give up names, all they were doing is victimizing me again. I expected some of this, but not all of this. I knew there would be questions, and I've enjoyed most of them. I'm grateful for the interest in questions, but there's also a line in which I need to retain my own personal dignity. Like Carly Simon, I'm not obligated to reveal who inspired my characters. Sometimes it is best to let a mystery remain just that, and let the imagination draw the faces from the murky depths of the human mind. Next time on the Southern Extension. I love growing up in Paulding County. I've said that a million times. Some people may think I have it in for Paulding County or something like that, but I don't. But all I see is the past in Paulding County. It was, it was like wiping away a life that I knew. The Southern Extension is recorded at Rabbit Tobacco Field. Music provided by Lexon Music. I'm Chris M. Buys. Thank you for listening. My books are available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other fine booksellers. For more information on the Southern Extension or my books, you may visit my website at chrismbuys.com.